Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.16 a.m. on the 24th of February, 2020. That's 9.16 a.m. Central Standard Time. And no, you are not going to get this on Tuesday. If you're listening to this, you're listening to it on Monday. Because I kind of haven't figured out exactly how to pull off a 4 a.m. show on Monday without recording it on Sunday or sometime over the weekend. I don't know. Bear with me. Hey, you know. When you're when you're drilling for oil, you're gonna run into like some hard rock, and I've run into some hard rock. Anyway, this is episode 204 of Bitcoin and and American Hodel has been nuked from orbit again. Yep, that's right. Twitter has suspended his sixth account. If you were planning on trying to beat American Hodel's suspension record, uh, he just one upped your ass. So. Uh, his new handle that he's, uh, trying to get everybody back by is at hodl underscore American. Honestly, it always creeps into the back of my mind. Is this really the same guy? You know, the reason I know is that all of a sudden I get this follow from at hodl underscore American. He's got like two followers and I'm like, Ooh, I don't know, man, this seems a little sketch, bro. You know, could it be uh, like, you know, somebody faking American HODL? And then uh, uh, the next step I take is to go check at American underscore HODL, the old account. And sure enough, it's nuked from orbit. I got a screenshot here of its suspension. Um, So that's at least one, you know, piece of evidence that leads me to believe that, yeah, it's at HODL underscore American is probably the right guy. But think about it opens up an attack vector. You get enough people to, you know, to pile on to some account that has some relative fame and then get it suspended and then automatically start, you know, going and and hammering all the uh, Bitcoin influencers or whatever and try to get them to follow this other account that looks like the account that got suspended, but you were all set up to start like, you know, pulling in the, the chaff. I don't know. It seems like an attack vector. It's definitely something to watch, but I'm pretty sure that this HODL underscore American is our guy. Give him a follow because at this point, he's got 140 followers. He's having to rebuild everything. Now think about that shit for yourself. Like for me, the thought of getting suspended permanently really rankles me because it ain't just having to like go and rebuild who I was following. And as an aside here, there really should be some kind of protocol for us as Twitter users to, uh, to be able to follow for just such an emergency. Like for instance, having all of your followers on a list 
so that you can go and refollow them or all the people that you follow on a list so that you can go refollow them. And then you got to like, you know, think about having like all the people that follow you on another list that you can keep outside of your Twitter account because once you get nuked from orbit, dude, it all dies. So it's not just for me, it's not just that I've got the entire morning roundup, like the entire, all of the stories that I've ever covered on every single day, segmented into a list that list goes bye-bye. So does my Bitcoin list, which is separate from the people that you follow. I mean, I'd have to reconstitute all this shit. If there is somebody out there listening to this that knows of a way to be able to put your shit back together when Humpty Dumpty falls off the freaking wall, please dude, let me know because this is the amount of work that American Hodel is going to have to do. And he'll tell you he doesn't care. I think he cares a little bit. He'll probably tell you, he'll probably tell me to screw off right to my face for saying that, but you're going to care at least a little bit, right? I mean, enough to put your, you know, to uh, try to rebuild Humpty Dumpty back together again, right? So anyway, with that over, just like I said, go and follow at Hodel underscore American if you want to get all the, the juicy stuff that he always brings us. Now, I'm making an announcement, yo. I'm announcing spend the day with me. For the low, low price of 21 Bitcoin, you can hang out with me and do these amazing things. Dig a hole in the ground, walk my dog, split a log, burn that split log. You can wait while I go to the bathroom and then watch me cook steaks for the low, low price of just 21 BTC. Yeah, hang out with me for that much money. Why am I even talking about it? I, I got to do it. I was listening to a podcast. I'm not going to say the dude's name. I'm going to be a little polite, but this very well may be why I stopped listening to this dude's account. Now, granted, I've only been listening to this podcast, not account, this podcast, like, I don't know, about four or five episodes, has some pretty decent information. He's a little bit of on the raw, raw side of, you know, like, you know, go get him. And I get up at four o'clock in the morning to go to the gym. And, you know, I, like I make $20,000 a month off of the life that I've built. For all, it's that kind of stuff, which isn't terrible to listen to until you run across the following. He announced a spend the day with me thing. And it's not a contest. You have to buy it. For $5,000, you can hang out with this dude. And he actually suggested going to the San Diego zoo, which you'd actually have to buy the plane ticket for to get to San Diego. If you don't happen to live in San Diego and you can walk around with him at the zoo and you can talk about how to build your business, how to get do like, I don't know. He's like really heavy into social media marketing and you can do all that for the low, low price of $5,000 for an eight hour day, five grand US dollars to hang out with this guy. I don't even know. Don't even get me. I'm not even going to do the math on what he's charging on an hour for that. But I'll tell you this top lawyers in the world are billing out at 750 bucks an hour. This guy's getting more than that to chill out <laughs> with you. Now it gets better. Um, apparently that's, apparently that is a low price because he used to do this for $7,500. You could go to his studio and hang out with him in his home in like 
east of the Mississippi somewhere in the Smoky Mountains, which I'm sure has some bridge-sitting banjo-playing genetic defectives. In either event, no, just kidding about that last part. Still, though, in either event, uh, it was $7,500. But that price, sadly, is, is no more. No, no, no more. Because now he's charging $15,000 to spend the day with him at his house. Are that I, I, uh, uh, Josie, the stupidity, Dan, it's just, I don't know who's stupid or who's more stupid. This guy who's charging that much money or the person that actually cuts that check and allows it to be cashed off their account. Are you kidding me? So yeah, I, I, so I, I'm, I'm joining the bandwagon. Watch me dig a hole in the ground while I build a pond for this season. You can come over. You can even help. You can paint the fence, too, while you're at it. I mean, for 21 Bitcoin shit, I'll let you build a whole fence. My God almighty, people, stop being so ridiculous. Okay. Now, I'm going to... I'm going to skip that one because that may very well end up being today's daily train wrecked. A really, really terrible thing. However, as train wrecked as this is, this has to be dumped into the community news, which is what we're doing right now. This is community news. Apparently, Trace Mayer has decided to take his reputation, throw it in a brown paper bag, soak it in diesel, light it on fire, and throw it out of the window. Giacomo Zucco has this tweet out. It says, people spend effort time and money to organize educational events about Bitcoin while having a good laugh at shitcoin scams. Then somebody takes advantage of all that effort to distribute promotion codes for his own pump and dump scam. Don't trust OGs, stack sats, and coin join. And he has a screenshot. MWC, Mimble Wimble coin. Mimble Wimble applied in the base layer, scarce, censorship resistant, durable, indestructible, saleable, portable, fungible, private, and divisible. Good money. Up 100x in BTC in two months. www.mwcprice.com. It's this picture of a shitty little piece of paper with this printed on it. I'm not freaking out, but I'm just, I keep looking at this and my, when I read this, the first thing in my head was it was like reading the instructions to chopsticks at your local, like Thai food restaurant, where it's just a horrible translation from some God awful mountain dialect of Mandarin or some shit like that. And it's just, it come to find out this is Trace Mayer. That's the hardest part about this whole thing. Trace Mayer has unzipped his fly, pulled down his pants, and showed you his ass. He's promoting a shitcoin now. And of, the, of all the people in the world that I thought was the least likely to start promoting a scam coin, it was going to be Trace Mayer and like the OGs, like, that kind of came up with him. Although it shouldn't surprise me because he came up in the same class as Roger Ver. So it's greed. And I've, I've talked about this before. Human greed is 
so instantiated in our in our brainstem, i.e., the lizard brain, which is where your fight or flight con- uh, controls are for your well-being. Um, it's so ingrained that the powers that be may not have to worry about anything for cryptocurrency at all because greed is going to get in the way. However, the reason that their entire legacy uh, system is crumbling before everybody's eyes is because the same greed and the same brainstems of the same humans get in the way. It's like greed gets in the way every single freaking time. You know what scares me the most? What happens if I just wake up one day and just decide to, to be greedy like that and just I don't care about my reputation any longer. And and I too throw it in a brown paper sack, coat it in diesel, light it on fire and throw it out of the fucking window. I mean, is it that easy? Is it worth that much? And that maybe this is one of the reasons why the Bible talks about, you know, not the root of all, money being the root of all evil. Money is just a tool. It's not the root of all evil. That's one of the most ridiculous statements that I've ever heard. But greed on the other hand, which is completely disconnected from money because greed exists without it. Greed can exist, my friends, in the absence of money. I guarantee it. I mean, in like you can be greedy for water. You could be greedy for certain shiny bits of, of gold-colored metal or silver-colored metal for that matter. It doesn't matter. Greed is there despite whether or not the existence of money is, is concurrent. It just doesn't matter. I'm really upset about this because Trace was the guy that he was the first Bitcoin podcast that I started listening to was um, was Trace Mayer's podcast, Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast is what the name of that thing is. And uh, he kept me out of a lot of trouble. But this, he's passing this shit out at conferences. Guys, be aware, even OG shit, or Bitcoiners can turn into shitcoiners, okay? So what was my what was my response? I unfollowed Trace Mayer. It's the only thing that I can do, and I took him off my Bitcoin list. So if you're a subscriber to my Bitcoin list, uh, you're not going to be picking up anything from Trace Mayer unless it's retweeted by somebody who is actually already on my list. Okay, changing gears here. Going to talk a little bit about Bitcoiners Best. Now, I got a tweet here from Bitcoiners Best. In fact, it's a it's like a tweet thread. Is it really long? No, it's not really long. Let's go ahead and read this. So, from at Bitcoiners Best, uh, no, the first tweet says, Bitcoiners Best is a home for the best Bitcoin content curated by Bitcoiners, and there's a fun twist. At Bitcoiners Best, you'll find the greatest of all time, goat, Bitcoin articles, books, podcasts, and even harder to surface podcast episodes and Twitter threads. Nice. But this isn't your average content curation site, people. You can make a 1x vote for free, but you can 10x your vote for the content you really love for 10,000 Satoshis. All sats are donated to Bitcoin and Lightning projects. You can curate the best content and support open source. A team of four has been working hard to get version 0.1 of Bitcoiners Best out into the wild. At Binary Dreaming, as the designer and project manager, at Pablo F7Z, and the Ruby on Rails Ninja, at Bootstrap Bandit, 
Bandit as the Lightning Master and our boy Brady at Citizen Bitcoin as the idea guy. God, I wish I could be an idea guy. It's a fun team. We're also looking for coders inspired by the project to get into the repo and help us build things out, find the repo here. And then they give the ad, uh, the link to the github.com Bitcoiners best uh, repository. Finally, uh, ending this up, it says our frequently asked questions will answer some questions, but let us know what others you have in the replies or via DM bitcoiners.best forward slash FAQ. Now go sign up and give it a shot. And then the website's name is bitcoiners.best. That's bitcoiners.best. So when I go to that, the first thing that I see is um, there are headings at the very top, all podcasts, episodes, articles, books, threads. So I've got mine set to all. And of the very first thing up is Guy Swan. Guy Swan, the crypto economy with Guy Swan has 130 votes. Right after that is Citizen Bitcoin or Brady's Outfit, podcasting my journey, learning Bitcoin, hoping it makes yours a bit easier, chilling out at 107 votes. Come, weighing in at number three is Tales from the Crypt. At 70, we have Stephen Levera coming down at 52. Then we have the book, The Bitcoin Standard by Saifedean Amis. It's weighing in at 49 votes, and it goes on and on and on. And, and oh, I love this one. There's a tweet here at, that's been upvoted 41 times. Can you guess? Can you guess what tweet it is? Running Bitcoin. I mean, come on. How could it not be? So here's the, as far as I can tell, this is the way it works. Um, if you have a podcast or, a, or rather if you've got a, a favorite piece of media, you can go here and there's a submit button. And if I click the submit button, it gives you a, a resource. So it basically reflects the headings that, that I was talking about earlier, podcast, episode, article, book, Twitter. So I'm going to go to podcast and then it gives me a place that I can put in the podcast URL, the podcast title, the podcast description. I can choose an image or I can choose an image uh, URL. And then I can put in uh, the created by and then the podcast RSS feed. And then I could submit that podcast and see if I can get any votes by people. Somebody already submitted my podcast. It's down, way down, but it's there. That's what's cool. I didn't put it there. Holy shit, mine's actually on, if I click over to podcasts on Bitcoiners Best, mine is ranked right under John Vallis's Bitcoin Rapid Fire and who is also uh, being uh, done out by Stephen Levera, then Tales from the Crypt, Citizen Bitcoin. So I'm weighing in at what, number five? No, I'm weighing in at number six. I've come in at number six. I'm actually... One vote ahead of Coin Icarus, and I love Coin Icarus. I'm also uh, one vote ahead of Once Bitten, which has much better marketing than I had than I do. Like over the last two or three days, I've seen Once Bitten like all over the place on my Twitter feed. So I got to figure out how to do this shit. Hell, I'm even beating out Peter McCormick. Ha, take that, Pete. <laughs> anyway, go to Bitcoiners Best. I'm not even telling you to upvote my podcast. If you want to find all the best stuff, as far as I can tell, at least right now, Bitcoiners Best has a really cool way 
to not only go to a place where you can be assured that Bitcoiners are voting for like Bitcoin heavy topics and podcasts and books and articles, but you too can submit your vote by hitting a lightning button out on the right hand side of whatever heading or whatever entry under whatever heading you can see. And every first vote is free. If you want to 10X that, then you'll have to actually get a lightning wallet up online so that you can shoot them some uh, 10,000 sats to be able to 10X your shit. I thought it was pretty cool, man. So whoever it was that put me on the list, thank you. I appreciate that. To no end, I appreciate that. What else do I have up here? Oh, let's see. Lightning Polar. Lightningpolar.com. Let me get, get back into this thing. Uh, one-click Bitcoin Lightning Networks for local app development and testing. So let me see if I've got, uh, hold on for just one sec. Sorry, I should be pausing this, but my DAW gets really weird when I pause. Um, let's get into the GitHub and get to this. Okay. The, so let's just go, I'm going to go through the bullet point list of what, uh, what this is. And again, you know, this is Polar. Okay. So Polar was built to help lightning network application developers quickly spin up one or more networks locally on their computers with Polar. You can create a reg test lightning, lightning network in just a few clicks connect from your app to the lightning nodes via RPC, add more nodes using drag and drop, stop and start and stop individual nodes, open and close channels, create and pay lightning invoices, launch a terminal in each Bitcoin uh, lightning node, manually mine new blocks, uh, deposit reg test coins into each lightning node, supported lightning node versions, LND version 8.2, 8.0 and 7.1, Bitcoin core is 19.0.1 and 18.1, C Lightning is version 0.8.0. Eclair may be coming soon. Uh, it goes on Windows or Mac or Linux. And then they have the, uh, uh, looks like they've got binaries for all of this stuff in either event. So what is it? It's a way to visually look at Lightning nodes. Um, like most of the time, we're, like especially when uh, stuff first comes out, Generally in computers, kind of, you know, there's lots of command line interfaces. Uh, if there are uh, graphic user interfaces, they're usually pretty sparse, kind of crappy. Um, this one is pretty slick. It gives you an interface that each lightning node is represented by a physical node. Uh, that has inputs and outputs, and then you can link, like you can open channels out of one uh, light physical lightning node that's represented by a little rectangle box. And then if you open a, a node or open want to open a channel, the way that you do it is you connect a, a thread or a wire from the lightning channel or the lightning node that you have to the lightning node that you want to go to. Why is this shit important? Well, Humans are have binocular vision. The reason that we have binocular vision, guys, is because we're predators. There are essentially there are two types of eye configurations on animals in the planet outside of like you know flies and and spiders and stuff. If you're talking about two eyes, 
then you're either a predator or you're prey. You can tell a predator because the eyes are binocular, i.e. both of them are facing front. They're looking directly in front of the body. Animals that are prey animals, you can always tell because their eyes are on either side of their head, looking not directly in front of them, but essentially scanning their sides because they're looking for predators. We're looking for prey. If you have binocular vision, then the, the majority of the time you're learning stuff. Okay. In the case of being a predator, you're learning where the prey is moving, how fast they're going, where do you need to be to be able to intercept that animal. As we've grown out of being complete predators and like hunting on animals and eating live lion hearts and doing all the shit that we used to do when we were, you know, kicking back in, in the Mediterranean, Africa and all that stuff when we were cavemen and Neanderthals, we've done stuff like put together huge economic systems and, and designed and learned engineering and doing chemical engineering and all kinds of stuff. And yet our predatory nature has come along for the ride insofar that we need our eyes to focus on words so that we can read them so that they can come into focus and be crystal clear. We are highly visual. Okay. Now, obviously there are people that are blind and they're just fine. But for the great guts and feathers of humanity, we depend on our eyesight to be able to do all manner of things and learn all manner of things. All right. This is the, one of the reasons why I like graphic user interfaces. People laugh at go, oh, you don't know how to use it. Well, yeah, I know how to use the CLI. Yeah, I can type in commands on, a, on an interface, on a line interface. I can do shit like that. I don't like it. It doesn't, it doesn't thrill me, right? It just, it, and also there's a, when you're representing large amounts of data, it's a little bit clearer if you can figure out a way to shove that large amount of data into something that somebody can visually look at and pick up the great guts and feathers instantly. Infographics, that's one of the reasons why infographics exist. It's also one of the reasons why you have stuff like scientific visualization. If I were to throw a stack of numbers on your desk that's like, I don't know, four foot high of paper and it's just a, like just a huge spreadsheet of a bunch of numbers, that doesn't give you the bottom line. You really need a picture of what all those numbers mean. It needs to be condensed. And generally speaking, yeah, I did a lot of scientific visualization. And I can tell you immediately that if you just compile all the numbers into a pretty picture, it's a hell of a lot more effective than throwing a ream of data on somebody's desk and say, everything you need to know about this system is here. I'll see you in four weeks is, you know, that kind of shit. The same thing is true in interfaces for the computer and something like the lightning network, which is a system, right? It's also really, it's interesting to visualize that as a way to look at a, at a node on the system and all of its interconnects as a rectangle or even a circle with different wires coming out of it to represent different connections. What, what The weight of the wire may end up indicating how much Satoshi's is in that channel. The color of the wire may tell you what its status is. Is it active? Is it inactive? Was this a, uh, how old is this channel? What, all kinds of shit. 
can be visually represented and picked up by a human instantly rather than the other way where you're reading bunches and numbers and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know how well this works because it is, I, I don't even think this is beta. As far as, it, as far as I can tell, this is only on testnet. This is not ready for prime time. But again, name of this thing is Lightning Polar. That is lightningpolar.com. The guy that's behind it, at Jamal J-S-R. That's J-A-M-A-L-J-S-R. That may actually stand for Jamal J, uh, Jamal J Sr. I don't know. <clears throat> but it, again, it's at Jamal J-S-R is the guy that's behind it. So go to lightningpolar.com and look at it and you'll understand a hell of a lot better what the hell it is that I am talking about. All right, before we get into the first part of the morning roundup, I'm going to end community news with this tweet from ZND Toshi. He says, and just like that, the narrative changes and Bcashers care about running full nodes. It's got a screenshot here of the cesspool that is r forward slash BTC. And it's like the main page of what was trending or what was, you know, what uh, Reddits were hot. And there's uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven on this page that have something about running a node like this. Announcing Bitcoin Cash node. Another one says Bitcoin Cash node developers. Another one says in support of Bitcoin Cash node. Then there's like this ABC implementation and the free market responds with a new one for ABC slash BU. There's another one that says create BCH node. And there's the final one on this page is Bitcoin cash node. So all of a sudden the narrative changed after the, after Omri's fork, because if you didn't know, BCH Fort, and I don't know exactly how uh, Armory's, I can't remember if his is the ABC or the BU, or I don't know. I can't, I can't keep all these shit coins straight in my head, but Armory or Amori or however you pronounce the Frenchman's name decided that he's going to go ahead and do that minor tax. So whoever's uh, mining on that chain, you can kiss 5% of your mined uh, BCH shit coin goodbye. And because of that, everybody in the BCH community now gives a shit about running a full node. Not everybody, clearly, but the narrative definitely changed. So this is why I Bitcoin, because I don't really have to worry about this all the time. I can't imagine holding bags of this stuff, going to sleep every night, wondering if somebody in on you know that is your your paid group leader is going to get pissed off and decide that they want to burn their reputation like Trace Mayer did, throw it in a brown paper sack, coat it in diesel, light it on fire, and throw it out of the window. Uh, this is why I Bitcoin because I don't have to worry about this, and that's the community news. All right, we'll kick off uh, morning roundup number one with this one from the Daily Hodel staff writing for Daily Hodel. $7.8 trillion asset giant 
Fidelity hiring a Bitcoin engineer, and they act, it actually has BTC written so that you don't confuse it with whatever. Plan to scale its cryptocurrency mining operation. I didn't realize Fidelity was mining. I probably knew that, but forgot about it because it's one of those things you don't think about. Fidelity Center for Applied Technology, or FCAT. The innovation arm of the $7.8 trillion financial services giant Fidelity is looking for a Bitcoin engineer amid plans to scale the company's cryptocurrency mining operations. According to a job listing on the company website, the Bitcoin mining engineer will join a group within the FCAT that's in charge of exploring blockchain technologies. <laughs> this shit coinery. The successful candidate will design, build, and maintain the infrastructure that will run and scale Fidelity's Bitcoin mining operation. Quote, we have a multidisciplinary team of software engineers, researchers, designers, product managers, and security and compli compliance experts. Oh, God, comply, bitches. We're growing our team to accelerate the development of a new business opportunity that we've identified. Oh, my God. This sounds like a Facebook posting from a shitcoin. I don't know. Oh, well, the role will be part of our mining team and will be responsible to design, build and maintain the infrastructure to run and scale our business in quote. The ideal talent is someone with experience in building databases with at least three years of experience in software development and information technology operations and an interest in Bitcoin and crypto mining. My God, this might as well pull somebody off the street. Three years, bro. You only need to know how to do it for three years. Fidelity first started mining Bitcoin and Ethereum in 2014. At the 2017 Consensus Conference, Fidelity CEO Abby Johnson revealed that the brokerage firm was profiting from its mining expertise. At the time, Johnson said the purpose of the company's mining operations is to study the cryptocurrency market. I'll bet. A year later, in October of 2018, Fidelity launched Fidelity Digital Assets to provide institutional investment services for the cryptocurrency industry. So there you go. Now, oh, I can't wait to, I can't wait to read this one for y'all. I, I just can't wait. In fact, uh, I got to make sure that I, I've got my, my finger on a trigger at least, at least because we're, we're going to talk, we're going to talk a little bit about Bitcoin here. And um, I just want to make sure that we all understand that um, boating and, and and Bitcoin never mix, okay? Drug dealer loses codes for $53.6 million in Bitcoin. Criminal Assets Bureau seizes 6,000 Bitcoin, but sale is impossible without access to the Bitcoin codes. So um, what is this we're talking about? This is Connor Lolly writing for the Irish times. This is all the way back on February the 21st. So I don't know what Thursday or Friday, a drug dealer who amassed 55 million euros fortune in the cryptocurrency. Bitcoin has lost the codes to access the accounts after hiding them in in his fishing rod, which has now gone missing. The Criminal Assets Bureau has confiscated the 12 online accounts or wallets containing 6,000 Bitcoin. And, uh, oh, however, the Irish Times has learned the accounts cannot be accessed because the codes are missing. Yes, it's the codes. Josie, the stupidity. Nobody understands this. I'm 
telling you, man, nobody, this code's fine. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. It means that 53.6 million euros worth of monetary value of the Bitcoin inside them, which is the biggest case in the CAB's 25-year history, is out of the Bureau's reach. But that's okay. You know who's behind Bitcoin? Putin. Yeah, I know. It's, it's terrible. It's just the Russians, my God. Garda officers said they were hopeful advances in technology would one day enable them to access the Bitcoin so it could be sold. Uh, Clifton Collins, 49, originally from Crumlin, Dublin, bought most of the Bitcoin in late 2011 and early 2012 using cash he made growing crops of cannabis. The cryptocurrency has soared in value since then. Collins spent some of his money buying a two-seater gyro plane and learning to fly it. I didn't really need to know that, but whatever. In early 2017, he had just over 6,000 Bitcoin in one account, but he feared it may be too easy for a hacker to access. He decided to spread his wealth across 12 new accounts and transferred exactly 500 Bitcoin worth almost 4.5 million euro each into each one of them. Collins then printed out the codes for the 12 accounts onto an A4 piece of paper. That's, I think that's standard eight and a half by 11 for, I think that's what A4 is. He hid the paper inside the aluminum cap of his case containing his fishing rod, which he kept at his rented home in Fragnacht Cormona, Co. Galway. God, I don't know. I need to go. I need to hang out in Europe. to figure this shit out. I mean, Avon upon Trent. I don't know, man. I'd just rather say Dallas, right? It was weird. But when he was arrested with cannabis herb in 2017 in CO Wicklow and jailed for five years, there was a break-in at the house. And it was also cleared on behalf of the landlord with many of Collins' items being taken to a dump in CO Galloway. Workers at the dump told Gardai, uh, Gardai? Yeah, Gardai. <clears throat> they remembered seeing discarded fishing gear. However, waste from the dump is sent to Germany and China to be incinerated, and the fishing rod case has never been found. Collins told Gardi, or Gardai, that he had time to come to terms with the loss of the money and regarded it as punishment for his own stupidity. Much of what he has told the Garda has been supported by a range of witnesses, including those who cleared his house, his landlord, and others who helped him break up his Bitcoin fortune into 12 accounts. (laughs) Jesus God. Garda believed he has genuinely lost the codes for the account, which has not been accessed for a year before he came to the attention of the Garda, the Dubliner is a former security guard who briefly became a beekeeper and, and won awards for his honey before he turned his attention to growing cannabis for more than a decade. Collins had much smaller accounts of Bitcoin and other accounts valued at 1.5 million euro that the cab has been able to access. Those Bitcoin and more than 100,000 euro in cash has been seized from him. Okay, so obviously this is about that Irish guy. <clears throat> and I, I talked about this. Uh, you probably got it on Friday morning, something like that. Um, yeah, th- there's a lot. There's so much wrong here that's not even funny because if you've been in the space for any length of time, the meme is boating accident, lost my hardware wallet. Okay. 
I, I'm going to assume that you know what that means. Oh, okay, so fine. If you're a newcomer, a hardware wallet is where you keep the private keys, not codes. You're not keeping codes, you're keeping private keys. Those private keys allow you to vector Bitcoin and the Bitcoin network from one place to another. You never really have the Bitcoin. You have access to being able to vector or move in some direction an amount of Bitcoin. That's all the keys do. You never hold the Bitcoin, you only hold the keys. And if you don't hold the keys, keys then you don't get to vector the Bitcoin, somebody else does. Okay, so the meme being that every, like if, if you get busted with something and somebody's like, oh, we're gonna take all your assets, well, you don't get to take my Bitcoin unless you're really, really just like, I don't know, like, oh, unaware of how this works. Like for instance, keeping it on Coinbase. And if like an injunction is, is passed down against you and you've got all your Bitcoin on Coinbase, they've KYC'd your ass. It's not gonna take long for the federal authorities of any of most governments in the world to be able to query Coinbase and find out, yeah, it's you. And oh, look, you've got 12 Bitcoin or something in this account. They're going to take it and Coinbase is going to give it to them because they do not give a shit about you. They give a shit about themselves. And honestly, I'm going to say that that's okay. Because if they didn't give a sh if they did give a shit about just one of their customers and didn't do something, then everybody may be at risk to losing all of their Bitcoin in case somehow or another, the federal government of a country is able to shut down all of Coinbase. I'm just saying, I don't like Coinbase. I don't want to hear it in my Twitter feed about how I'm, I'm helping out Coinbase here. I don't like them. I think you should probably delete your account like I deleted mine. Mine is now gone. I, I can't get into, I, there, I pulled everything out of Coinbase because I don't like Brian Armstrong. I don't like the fact that they hired black hat hackers. They've got scum of the earth working for them. I don't like to deal with those kinds of people. Screw them. So I took all my shit out and I put it into hardware wallet which I promptly lost in a tragic boating accident somewhere on a lake in Colorado. And I can't even remember the name of the lake. Go fish. All right, so he's using the meme, except he's not quite. Fishing rod. What do you, what connotates boat more than fishing rod? Not a whole lot. Honestly, he didn't lose the codes. He still has his private keys. He's not an idiot. I, I think these guys are not going to be able to get shit. They don't have, if they don't have the private keys, then they haven't seized a thing. Now they do say they seized this uh, coin worth 1.5 million euros, which does suck. That means, and, and that may have been a concession, an under the table concession uh, indirectly made by Collins to throw them off the trail. Because if I'm chilling out with 600 Bitcoin, or 6,000 Bitcoin, and I've got them in 12 places at, at you know, in 500 uh, Bitcoin things each, I, I would so accidentally leave the private keys for 1.5 million euros worth of Bitcoin somewhere for them to find. I would do it. I would do that. Why? Throw them off the, hey, they got something. You throw a dog a bone, bro. Throw a dog a bone and maybe they'll just leave your ass alone so you can get up over the fence. I hope that Collins really didn't do that. I don't think he did. 
I think Collins is going to be, I think he's going to figure out when he's free and clear. And I think Collins is probably going to start sipping Mai Tais somewhere on a beach in Greece. That's what I think is going to happen. Bitcoin taking flight on Norwegian air as travel giant gears up to accept crypto payments. Now, this was back on February the 20th. But before I get into this, I'm going to plug Ragnarok. Yes, I've been watching the, I finished the first season of Ragnarok. <coughs> Sorry, the first season of Ragnarok yesterday. I, 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 I like it. And Ragnarok is about Thor and like the giants and like the, you know, the, the comic book character, except it ain't a cartoon. It is live action, but it ain't in English. Thing is Norwegian with nor with norwegian actors speaking in their mother tongue and it's subtitled well it's not only well it's subtitled because we actually have subtitles turned on our on our tv but it's overdubbed and i hate overdubbing i really do but this one i'm i'm totally down with ragnarok i it's an interesting take so i it's on netflix um if you've seen it fly by give it a chance man Give, give it a chance because Thor, uh, it's like, like I said, it's an interesting take on the, the whole Thor legend and all that kind of stuff. So if you're into that kind of thing, you'll probably like it unless you just can't do, um, subtitle or, uh, not subtitles, um, uh, overdubs. Like I said, I don't like them either, but you know, it depends on how good something is personally. This is so good that I'm I'm not even hearing hearing the overdub anymore. But let's get into this. Norwegian Air Shuttle, Scandinavia's largest airline, is on track to make Bitcoin and crypto a fast and viable payment method for airline tickets. The move would represent a seismic shift for digital assets from Wall Street to Main Street, pushing Main Street adoption of crypto for ordinary purchases. In an interview with news outlet DGEN, oh, I'm sorry, Dagens Nerjeliv, I'm... No, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that. Why? Because I'm not Scandinavian. I'm, I'm, I'm going to screw up all these names. So just get prepared. Stig Kjoss Matheson, managing director of the crypto trading platform Norwegian Block Exchange, NBX, board member of the Norwegian Computer Society Group for Blockchain, and former senior executive of Norwegian Air says, everything is ready to go from our side, end quote. All that, oh my God, all that for him to say this one sentence with seven words. <laughs> the Norwegian cryptocurrency exchange NBX is also a payment system tied to Norwegian Air. The exchange was founded in 2018 by Norwegian Air co-founder Bjorn Kjoss, who recently stepped down as the airline CEO. Kjoss, his son-in-law Stig Kjoss Matheson, and his son Lars Kjoss are reportedly big Bitcoin and blockchain supporters, with the latter investing 400,000 euros, which is about $500,000 in BTC. The family business is expanding into crypto as MBX prepares for launch. The company says the exchange just completed a successful trial run. Quote, we capped the closed beta at 500 users who collectively completed over 13,000 trades during the duration of the beta. End quote, Norwegian Air will leverage MBX to drive crypto adoption with the option of rolling out rewards for customers and using smart contracts for airline tickets, MBX announced plans 
for crypto and airline integration last year. Quote, we aim to continue this journey of transformation in the financial world in the airline aviation industry while providing the benefits of convenience and innovation for traders, travelers, and everyone else. According to the MBX team, the platform's beta users were motivated by the chance to win round-trip tickets with hotel accommodation for two to New York City. The giveaway is in sponsorship with Norwegian Holidays, the airline's package holiday booking portal, combining Norwegian air flights with selected hotels in popular destinations. Collins should look into when he, you know, is out from under the thumb, taking his Bitcoin codes and flying Norwegian air to Greece. That's what I'm saying. Okay, so it just dawned on me. Actually, it didn't just dawn on me. I've been reminded in this story by something that I've been thinking about for a while. Before the Xerox machine and printers and stuff, the only way to get something into print is you had to take it to a printer and pay an exorbitant amount of money to get it printed. What happened with the internet and communications? What happened with the Xerox machine and printing? What happened with magazines and the availability of printers at everybody's house? Here's what I'm saying, guys. The reason you're never going to see shit coinery die is because now everybody's got a printer in their house. Everybody's going to be able to be their own bank. Everybody's going to be able to offer some kind of financial technology from the housewife who wants to get into it all the way up to Norwegian Air. Norwegian Air no longer is going to be dependent on a bank much to the chagrin of Goldman Sachs, I would imagine. Banks are going to be dis- are, are being disrupted now, but it's going to get even worse in the future because anybody at this point is going to be able to spin up from a million different fintech protocols something that's going to allow them to conduct business kind of like a bank. Just I'm just saying that's why I have I'm not, it's not that I'm not going to rail against shit coinery. I will always rail against shit coinery because it's all fraud at one point or another. It runs <coughs> the risk of allowing anybody's greed and their, their base human instincts that, res, that basically holds up in the brainstem, the lizard brain, to be the asshole that everybody hates. Because I hate people that have no problem with making money in ways that would make me lose sleep at night. Because I'm like, I, I, I can't live without sleep. And I don't want to be one of those people that destroy the lives of other people so that I can have a better life, you know, for just me and my family. I'm not going to be the guy that does that. And there's so many people that do that. And shit coinery has really the gene. When they say the genie is out of the bottle, a couple of genies came out of this bottle. One of them matters and makes the difference. But sadly, an evil twin jumped out of that bottle at the same time and is going to cause the most amount of trouble. Sort of like Loki to, you know, the brother, uh, the brother of Thor, since we were just talking about Thor. I wish I could wave a magic wand and get rid of all this shit, or at least half of it. But even if I only got rid of half of it, you know what would happen? Uh, The same amount of of stupid stuff would rise up in its place overnight, if not quicker. So we have to move on. 
You are the marketing department for Bitcoin. You have the chance to be the ethical person that you always wanted to be. We have a chance to remake this. You either seize the chance or you pull a Trace Mayer and burn your reputation at the foot of the money god. That's all I got to say, man. Binance is not under our jurisdiction, says Malta Regulator. Binance is neither licensed to operate or is regulated in Malta, the country's chief financial watchdog has said. <clears throat> Patty Baker is writing this one for Coindesk on February the 21st. Uh, there's already pushback by CZ on this one, but let's, or not CZ, or my, sorry. Um, yeah, no, wait. Oh, God, I can't remember. Binance should be CZ. Yeah. The Malta Financial Services Authority issued a statement Friday denying it had ever regulated Binance or that the exchange has ever had leave to operate in the island nation's fledgling cryptocurrency industry, citing reports in the media that uh, referred to Binance as a Malta-based cryptocurrency company. The regulator announced Binance is not authorized by the MFSA to operate in the cryptocurrency sphere and is therefore not subject to regulatory oversight by the MFSA. Binance announced it was opening an office in Malta March 2018, soon after it clashed with regulators in Japan, where the exchange had previously attempted to establish a presence. At the time, Maltese Prime Minister Joseph Muscat welcomed the exchange to the country, tweeting the island nation would support Binance's goal to become a global, the global trailblazers in the regulation of blockchain-based businesses. In September 2018, the exchange also said it would work with the Malta Stock Exchange to begin offering security token trading. Another announcement in late 2019 said it was providing funding for a new crypto-friendly Maltese bank. It isn't clear if Binance still has an office in Malta. While Binance declined to comment prior to the publication, CEO CZ later tweeted that this is old news and has always been the case, end quote. Press releases sent to Coindesk by Binance listed Malta in the dateline as recently as February the 11th, 2020, though the exchange doesn't appear to have officially stated where its headquarters are located. Oh, isn't that just great? Quote, as we run such a decentralized operation, there isn't a clear answer for us where we operate regulated businesses or where we, or if we have teams there, says Josh Goodbody. Goodbody? Yeah. Josh Goodbody, Binance's Director of Growth and Institutional Business. <clears throat> the MFSA did say in Friday's announcement it was currently address, uh, assessing if Binance had any activities in Malta, which may not fall within the realm of regulatory oversight. The regulator also reiterated that following the passing of the Virtual Financial Assets Act of 2018, Maltese businesses that either traded or offered cryptocurrencies had to be fully licensed. So the pushback that CZ has been given on this is basically that Malta isn't where that they, they don't have, they're not based in Malta. That's just where their spiritual home is. Crap you not. You're my favorite turd, dude. I, I wouldn't crap you about this one. S calls it the spiritual home. I'm telling you, man, this space is weird beyond all comprehension of the word. Although I still think, I, I think it's actually good when they're saying as you know, like this, as we run such a decentral operation, it's impossible for us to tell you where our headquarters are. At first I kind of rankled on that, but you know what, why I rankled on that? Because I grew up in an environment that absolutely bleeds regulatory oversight. Everything needs to have a home. 
everything needs a base. Everybody's got to have an address so that the feds can and say, hello, we're going to regulate the piss out of you. Even though now I've come to the situation where I know it's wrong and that it's bad and that you don't need to regulate half of the crap that you're regulating. Even I get to a point where I laugh when somebody doesn't have a head office. And then I have to remember what the hell are we trying to do? What the hell are we trying to do? Well, we're trying to get rid of central banks, not the little banks, the big ugly banks that allow Karstens to eat so much octopus and steaks that he ends up looking like the dome of the Capitol building in Washington, D.C. Sorry, it's Monday. You're going to have to give me a break. But hackers have 24 hours to steal 700 million DeFi stash. Okay, since this was written on February the 20th, that 24 hours is now gone. So I, I don't know if anything has happened, but let's, let's see what they're talking about here. This is Tim Copeland writing for decrypt.co. A researcher has found a way of using flash loans to take large amounts of funds out of DeFi, but the exploit won't be fixed until tomorrow. A potential exploit in the decentralized finance ecosystem has been exposed and it won't be fixed until noon on Friday. That would be last Friday. The reveal comes just days after two exploits use DeFi tools to take home $1 million. Dominique Harz, a PhD candidate at Imperial College London, has posted a Medium post detailing the potential weakness. It's focused on the concept of flash loans uh, Oh, and the stablecoin DAI. While he is notified maker, which runs DAI, the issue won't go up for a vote until tomorrow. And in the meantime, $700 million is at risk. A trader has again exploited, oh, sorry, that was an advertisement for another article. Quote, that attacker would be able to steal $700 million worth of ETH collateral and be able to print new DAI at will. This attack would spread throughout the whole DeFi space as DAI is used for backing collateral and other protocols, Harz wrote. Uh, Let's see, it goes into that. Now, Here's how Harz argues that flash loans could be used to exploit Maker. MakerDAO is a decentralized governance system that runs the DAI stablecoin. Holders of the governance token MKR vote on how DAI should be programmed. Um, Let's see. But it's possible to exploit the governance system. I would like to direct this to the distinguished members of the panel. You lousy cork suckers. The basic idea is to accumulate enough maker tokens to replace the existing governance contracts with the attacker's malicious governance contract. The malicious governance contract is then able to give the attacker full control over the system and withdraw any collateral in the system as well as create arbitrary amounts of new diehards, says. However, when this attack vector was suggested before, the idea was to crowdfund the maker token needed to carry it out. And that's where flash loans come in. They make it much easier for an attacker to build up a large supply of maker tokens and then use them to take over the system. Not only can they be used to buy, uh, not only can they use a flash loan to buy a large amount of maker, but they can also use flash loans to manipulate the price of maker in the same way as the recent DeFi attacks. With a cheaper maker price, it becomes much easier to snap up new coins. Sorry, more coins. Har says that this strategy could be used in combination with the crowdsourcing strategy for maximum effect 
at a low cost. Maker is set to vote on a solution to stop flash loans from affecting the governance mechanism tomorrow, but the clock is ticking. And if you are into this shit, get out, get out. When you can leverage a system over the same damn system to gain some, I mean, it's like a death spiral. I just see a coil of leverage, lever- continuously leveraging itself into oblivion. When you can get something and then on the other side of that something, manipulate the, same, the price of that something using a different mechanism on the same system so that you can get more of the former and then rinse and repeat with the latter. How, on what planet do you exist? that this is even remotely cool. I'm sorry, but dude, this is just, this is, this is almost as cringe as Craig. And your wife and one of your sons, I believe is in the audience. Hiding. Hiding, (laughs) yeah. What would you say to them? I'm sorry, honey, I'm, it's not me on Grindr. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. More to come from that, not today, but I I need to chop that up into all manner of little sound effects. If you don't know who that is, that's Craig Stewart Wright talking at CoinGeek 2020 in London this past weekend. And oh, oh my God, the cringe. It's so terrible. After eight hours of sitting in this freaking room, they had to listen to another hour of Craig at the very end is like the icing on the cake of dog poop. That is this coin geek conference. Oh, it's bad. Oh, oh, it's bad. So if you, if, if on your Twitter feeds or wherever it is, you're getting it, if you've seen the nine and a half hour long, uh, YouTube, uh, link that comes down for this coin geek conference and you don't want to listen to all of it, just fast forward to like, I think it's like eight hours and 13 minutes Somewhere around there is where the the talk from Craig Wright comes in. If you want to have some laughs or some cringe or something like that. But getting back to this maker thing, <clears throat> get out, get out. I'm serious. It's like walking into a possessed house and the house itself is telling you to get out. It's like the Amityville horror of DeFi. It's just, this is everything that was told to you about why this shit was going to be bad has occurred. It's going to continue to occur. And when they fix this, something else is going to be discovered on being able to game it. Why? Because when you build a machine that has so many windows and doors, then there is every manner of entry and egress into that system. And every time that there's entry and egress, you have the potential for gaming the system. So the more entries and egresses you have in a system, the more the system can be gamed. And this thing is like, it's like a screen door on a submarine, man. It's just waiting to die and sink. Let's do a little bit of vital statistics. Uh, My blood pressure is way too high. Well, we got ourselves a Bitcoin price at 9745 looks to be the average. I've got a high over at BitAsset at 
9,808. I've got a low at hit BTC for 9,701. So a clear $100 plus trading range going on right there. We've got 300,000 transactions that were made over the last 24 hours with about 13,000 transactions per hour on average. Only 762 and a half, oh, sorry, 762,500 BTC were sent in the last 24 hours with 31,700 BTC being sent on average per hour. The average transaction value is two and a half BTC while the median is 0.019 and that's a little under $200. So that's low for me. Block time is a little high at 10 minutes and 22 seconds. 0.13 BTC are being taken in fees on a per block basis. 18.8 BTC have been taken in fees overall. We've had a 1.6% drop in hash rate, bringing us down to 108 exahashes per second. Last time nobody did dick on Bitcoin was sometime on the 22nd, according to the GitHub repository. Ethereum is at 268, Bcash at 379, BSV at 281, Litecoin at 75, Ethereum Classic at $9.33, Dogecoin at 0.0026 at 25,792 transactions in the last 24 hours. It's beaten up on Litecoin, but that's it. My node, let's see, my node is telling me, let it refresh because it doesn't do it automatically. But Okay. My hash rate is reading 108 exahashes per second, so we're close here. I got 30 megabytes chilling out in the mempool, representing 19,615 unconfirmed transactions. The last 10 block, or the last nine blocks were full. I have one empty block. I literally have an empty block with an average fee of zero, with one transaction in it. The size is 293 bytes. And of course, I don't know who mined that block because it comes up with a question mark at, under the miner column in my node. And again, if you want to uh, see these stats for yourself, get yourself an, a Raspberry Pi 4 and then go get my node BTC and a, uh, oh God, a uh, terabyte hard drive and set up your own node. All right. If, if not to see the, if not to see the, the stats that you can see, just support the network. For like, I think when it's all said and done, when it's all said and done, you can get out from under this thing for like 200 bucks. And if you want to pay an extra 99 bucks after it's all said and done for the, the full blown version of my node and help those developers feed their families, you're still at $300 to run a full node that audits the entire, that's like being able to audit the entire world's gold supply once every 10 minutes. You would know every gram of gold's purity all across the world every 10 minutes. Can you do that with gold? No, you cannot do that with gold. In fact, you can't do that with anything but Bitcoin and a few select shit coins, but I wouldn't support their network. So please don't support anybody else's network. Just go with Bitcoin. You'll sleep a lot better. As far as the Lightning Network is concerned, wow, we have 11,623 nodes Uh, We have 36,300 channels and we have 895.95 Bitcoin in the network capacity, representing $8.7 million of liquid assets. Let's see here. What else uh, metrics we've got? Uh, The number of new nodes that came online in the last 24 hours is down by 25%. 
only 14 new nodes in the Lightning Network came online. Likewise, we have an 11% drop in the number of new channels that came online on a day-over-day -day basis. We do have 121 brand spanking new channels, but again, that's an 11% drop on a day-over-day -day basis. That's going to do it for Vitals. The second part of Morning Roundup starts off with Decrypt.co's Robert Stevens with Crypto Capital Connected Fowler hit with new fraud charges. Ex-NFL owner Reginald Fowler, suspected to have run unauthorized shadow bank Crypto Capital, Capital now faces additional charges of wire fraud in New York. This was on February the 22nd. The man who's thought to have run the company that processed payments for dubious crypto exchanges was on Friday charged with wire fraud, adding to current charges of fraud and money laundering. The indictment filed by a New York district court alleged that Reginald Fowler earned his money on false and fraudulent pretenses. On the books, Fowler is the CEO of a company called Global Trading Solutions. LLC, which is one of several suspected shell companies associated with crypto capital, a Panama-based shadow bank allegedly responsible for hundreds of millions of dollars of unregulated transactions for a host of big-name crypto businesses and exchanges, according to a New York court indictment last year. The additional charges filed Friday claim that Fowler opened several U.S.-based business bank accounts at a number of different banks and tricked them into accepting his business on-the-premise that the accounts were for real estate investments. The indictment further alleged that Fowler used some of that money invested in a sports league. <laughs> Fowler was the lead investor in the Alliance of American Football, a sports league set up to rival the National Football League. The league closed down in the middle of its first season. God, wow. Talk about a nosedive. Fowler is also charged with defrauding those associated with the sports league because he lied to them about where he had gotten his money from. According to the indictment, he told them that the money was his own when, in fact, Fowler earned his money, quote, through the unlicensed money transmitting business, end quote. Bitfinex and Quadriga CX were among customers of crypto capital. Again, that's Bitfinex. And for those of you who still see... Every once in a while, tweets from a, a tweet, Twitter account named Bitfinext, because he got Bitfinext. Uh, he doesn't like Bitfinext, so I'm sure Bitfinext is jumping up and down with glee on this one. Hong Kong-based Bitfinext is currently under investigation by the New York Attorney General for allegedly raiding the reserves of its sister firm Tether to hide an $800-plus million hole in its finances. Bitfinext claims it was defrauded by crypto capital. Well, that's an easy thing to say. Quadriga CX is a defunct Canadian crypto exchange whose investors lost their money when the exchange closed after the sudden death of its operator, Jared Cotton, or Gerard, <clears throat> uh, when he d suddenly died. Investors allege that Quadriga CX misappropriated customer funds last year. Fowler pled not guilty, though for a while mulled over a plea deal which would require him to forfeit $371 million he allegedly has access to. Earlier this month, he rejected the plea deal. The next hearing is set for April. Yeah, God, it's just a different world out there for these people, I guess. You know, the thought of just going and sitting in a courtroom, uh, to me... Oh. I guess $371 million does something to you, though. How could it not? 
Sometime on February the 24th, Elisa Hertig is writing for Coindesk the following, How to protect Bitcoin from your heirs with the push of a dead man's button. <laughs> what happens to your Bitcoin after you die? <clears throat> God, this is, oh, I love the artwork too because it's got death in it. Oh, man, that's like a morbid way to, to start the week. This is more than just a philosophical question. It could involve a substantial amount of currency. The question of crypto and the great beyond is what prompted about 20 or so developers to get together in London recently to experiment with repurposing the current lightning protocol to send private messages as a dead man's button, a system that can't be censored and would keep your crypto safe for your heirs. Now, I'm going to stop right there for just a second and see if I can find this, because this idea is uh, a year and a half old. Maybe a couple of years more than that. Uh, Matt O'Dell, I think it's called, oh God, what is it? Oh, Matt O'Dell has, I, I think he partnered up with at least one other person um, and created, oh, what is the name of that thing? It's not Dead Man's Switch. It's something else. Uh, I'm not going to be able to find it. I'm looking in my in my replies for somebody had uh, told me the name of the thing, but Matt O'Dell has already done this. However, Matt O'Dell has not done it on lightning. So this is the difference. Okay. Matt O'Dell has a dead man switch and you can go hit Matt O'Dell up at Matt O Matt underscore O'Dell, I believe is the Twitter handle <clears throat> and, uh, or just search like, you know, Matt O'Dell's Twitter handle for dead man switch on advanced Twitter search or Twitter advanced search. If you don't know how to use Twitter advanced search, learn. I'm serious, man. Learn how to use it. I won't do it here because I'd have to type and eh, I'm not going to do it because again, my new digital audio workstation gets really, it's I'm. it says I can pause, but when I do pause, it actually stops the recording and doesn't let me pick back up. So it kind of ends up chopping up the WAV file a lot. And, and so that's why I'm not, not doing it here. <clears throat> but let's get into this. Lightning Labs infrastructure engineer Just Jaeger has been exploring using Lightning for messaging over the past year at the Advancing Bitcoin Conference in London. Jaeger hosted a workshop to figure out how to build a dead man's button with Lightning. Should he succeed, he said, it would show the world Lightning can be used as a messaging system as well as a payment network. These buttons are not new. At the workshop, Jaeger noted Edward Snowden, the National Security Agency whistleblower, used one in case he died before journalists could reveal the documents or the contents of the documents he wanted to make public. The goal of the workshop was to explore one of Lightning's relatively new features, Keysyn, formerly known as Spontaneous Payments. It's so experimental it isn't even described in the Lightning specifications yet, but it does offer a way to send data called custom records in LND, the lightning impl implementation Jaeger works on, along with a transaction. Here's how it might work. Imagine a user who wants to pass on a Bitcoin inheritance. That user would communicate with a service pushing a button that would send a message every week or so to signify that the user is still alive. If the user isn't pressed or if the button isn't pressed for one week, it is assumed the Bitcoin user is dead or incapacitated and it's time for the crypto to be passed on, at which point the service automatically dispenses a secret which can be used to retrieve the crypto. 
Beyond that, Jaeger thought some additional features should be added, even if they could make the program trickier to, trickier to implement. The program should maintain the privacy of the sender and the receiver, he said, and <clears throat> should allow the sender to get proof the service still has the secret. Developers split into small groups to think about how to build a service that would meet all of these and other goals. The workshop developers came up with some ideas which Jaeger published to GitHub. <clears throat> he included a rough implementation which puts several of the ideas into practice, though he said the code is extremely limited and does not implement everything described. This design isn't necessarily the best way forward, Jaeger said, but it's proof of concept he hopes can inspire other implementations. Jaeger told Coindesk the primary reason he chose the dead man's button for the workshop was it is complex enough of a use case that it can show off what lightning can do as a messaging system. But he also thinks the dead man's button could also be a real use case for lightning down the road. Quote, many people try to arrange their crypto inheritance and need to make up their minds about who they trust. This could be an alternative, assuming that wrinkles are joined or are ironed out and the whole process is hidden underneath the user-friendly shell. He said, <clears throat> this is unlikely to happen short term, but I hope people see the possibilities. Lawyer Pamela Morgan, an expert on crypto inheritance and author of the book, Dedicated to helping people develop a plan to pass on the crypto agrees with Jaeger the technology is far from ready, but she said she would not encourage users to put any money into an experimental dead, but dead man's button system just yet. <clears throat> Quote, a dead man's switches are fun projects that excite our imagination, but fail to solve the complex and multidisciplinary challenges of crypto asset inheritance distribution. Relying on such solutions for something as important as inheritance is likely to cause catastrophic loss, she told Coindesk. However, she said the technology has promise. Since few crypto enthusiasts have any sort of a plan for what to do with their currencies after they are gone, she's happy to see people exploring ways to make crypto inheritance a more common practice. Quote, if adding a dead man switch makes more people actually do inheritance planning for their Bitcoin, then I'm all for it because so few people actually do anything, she told Coindesk. In the meantime, Jaeger is pressing on with beefing up Lightning's messaging system so it can be used to make a dead man's button a living reality. <clears throat> and as long as that son of a bitch can send me cat pictures every time I don't send a switch, <clears throat> then, yeah, dude, that would... <laughs> Think about it. Think about it. A system where you, like, I think it was Casa that had or has a node where you, like, you'll get, like, like, uh, uh, like rewards or something if you go and check on the node. And if you do it, like, five times in a month, it, like, sends you sats. I could see another system where it's, like, cat pictures come through on and drain your lightning account if you don't check on your node probably would not be a big hit, but you know, it, it is what it is. It's it that, and that's, what's so fun about lightning and, and Bitcoin and all this, <clears throat> all the things that you think should already be available out of the box has already been built. It just hasn't been implemented yet. That's the way that I look at it. Even if it hasn't been coded, even if it hasn't even been thought of, just the way that I think of, of like the time-space continuum, I know that it's already been done. We just have to learn a bit more patience. And there's so much stuff that can be, you can feed chickens with the Lightning Network. You can send 
Dead Man Switch with Matt Odell system. And that's actually live on the Bitcoin network in, in so far as a service that leverages the Bitcoin network to be able to do the Dead Man Switch thing. I wish I could remember. I'm sorry, Matt. I'm really sorry that I cannot remember the name of your product, but it's Monday. I haven't had enough coffee and starting to get to feel like Lewis Black here for a second. <clears throat> but let's before my blood pressure gets to the point where I really pop a vein, let's read about the EOS network and it's suffering from degraded performance, says Coinbase. Oh God, I'm gonna it's gonna be like a heart attack time. Jack Martin writing for Coin Telegraph. <sighs> yeah. Major American crypto exchange Coinbase said that the EOS network is having some issues. So uh, on February 20th, Coinbase issued a status update saying EOS network has degraded performance. Sends and receives might be delayed. The exchange posted a tweet two days later stating that the EOS network was still suffering from degraded performance. you're, you're killing me, man. You're killing me. Um, I, I'm, I'm at a loss as to why people still hold bags in systems like this. I mean, it's external EOS sins have been temporarily disabled, but buys and sells of EOS within the cryptocurrency exchange were functioning normally. Oh yeah. You can get on the hook and sell your bags to other people, but the actual network itself blows chunks. You're, uh, anyway, uh, anyway, um, the tweet included a chart showing a slight blip on February the 20th, where 100 and, oh, what was it? 192 blocks had been missed due to the micro forking issue, but indicated a stable mainnet performance over the past two weeks. The EOS network has had performance issues in the past, and the chart posted by EOS Nation only goes to highlight that in the week of January, it missed an average of 20,000 blocks per day. As Cointelegraph reported October the 19th, research claimed that EOS could be hit by a congestion attack, which could freeze the network. The exploit seemed seemingly allowed an attacker to steal over $110,000 worth of crypto from an EOS gambling application. EOS's parent firm, Block One, claimed that the network was operating normally. (laughs) The network had several problems with freezing just after launch and has recently suffered from network congestion problems due to the EIDOS token airdrop. Again, guys, you're looking at a $4 billion ICO raise for, uh, for EOS. They paid like a $10 million fine or, or a hundred, was it? No, it wasn't a hundred million. It was less than that. It was a fraction of the amount of money that they, that they raised. And of course it's no longer worth $4 billion because it's like, I may be worth 2 billion, but you're looking at, at a mul- at least a multi-billion dollar chain that doesn't work. It just doesn't because it's always screwing up like this. New Jersey, speaking of screwing up, introducing introduces a bill, okay? Introduces a bill at oh uh to regulate cryptocurrencies at the state level. 
New Jersey state legislature is now considering a new bill that would require cryptocurrency businesses to obtain a proper license to operate. Assemblywoman Yvonne Lopez proposed the Digital Asset Blockchain Technology Act on February the 20th. The legislation would establish new requirements for virtual currency businesses and create consumer-friendly protections by requiring crypto firms to disclose their legally registered names, anti-money laundering and anti-terrorist financing policies, as well as their licensing and legal history to the state of New Jersey's Department of Banking and Insurance. (sighs) My God, that's just a mouthful, man. This Samanambachin country was founded so that the liberties of common patriotic citizens could not be taken away by a bunch of Fargan ice holes like yourselves. Yes, thank you. Thank you for that, Maroney. Though the largest uh, Bitcoin surge happened over three years ago, there were no state regulations surrounding cryptocurrency in New Jersey. Unlicensed crypto operators had to be tried on a federal level through the Department of Justice. Lopez highlighted the need to address these issues locally. Quote, people see and hear about Bitcoin in their day-to-day lives, but most are not quite sure what it is. We must take steps to protect consumers looking to invest in cryptocurrencies while also allowing the sector to continue to develop and expand in New Jersey. End quote. The bill also requires crypto companies to disclose their terms and conditions for consumer accounts and they and they are protected by the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation as are traditional bank account holders. Anyone applying would need to provide a schedule of fees and any information regarding the risks of investing in digital assets. Quote, with this legislation, consumers will be better informed of the risks involved when investing in virtual currency, end quote. By introducing a state-level licensing scheme, New Jersey would join its neighbor New York in requiring cryptocurrency firms to obtain special permissions to operate. In 2014, New York financial regulators introduced the bit license, making it one of the toughest jurisdictions in the union for cryptocurrency related firms to operate. And that's why Wyoming is wiping the floor with your ass, New York. Look, if you don't want the business, then somebody else is going to take it. We call it regulatory arbitrage. But when you put up these walls, people are going, it's just like the escape valves. It's like the, the entrances and egresses on DeFi or, or the Ethereum blockchain, where you can develop a system that has so many holes in it that it's easy to move around. And that's what we have with the United States of America, because I don't need a passport to go from New Jersey to Texas to Wyoming. I'm going to... Easily, easily. The only thing that would keep me in New Jersey is the fact that, like, maybe a fact that my whole family is there. I grew up there. I feel comfortable. I don't want to go to the mountains. I don't like the mountains because I don't like insects. But after a while, if you choke these people out enough, they're just going to go somewhere else. And Texas and Wyoming right now, I mean, between Austin and in Texas, and the, what the great state of Wyoming is doing, and, and I never really thought about Wyoming before, but now I kind of think of them all the time because they're not doing this. They are taking matters into their hands at the state level in at least a functionally positive way, whereas the eastern seaboard, 
going to be a financial wasteland in 10 years. I swear to God it is, man, because they're doing stupid shit like this. Just I, Twitter CEO is pushing Bitcoin's benefits for black America. Yeah, I could say something really snide about this, but we, you got to know <clears throat> Jack Dorsey is encouraging his Twitter followers to take a closer look at a new book that discusses Bitcoin's potential to benefit the African-American community. Dorsey's endorsement calls attention to the challenges racial minorities often have with the legacy financial system. I don't, it's not, I don't like this. It doesn't help the race thing. Is there any way to write this book that you're not talking about somebody's color? Does it, do we really need to just continuously talk about color? I mean, with everybody being labeled a Nazi and a racist and an eco-terrorist because we burn oil and I mean, you'd think at one point or another, somebody else would stand up and go, yeah, talking about being black or brown or yellow or green or white or red, I whatever. How it helps is beyond my functional understanding of logic. But then again, I probably didn't do all that well in logic. I, Bitcoin can transform the lives of African-Americans. Okay, so this is... Bitcoinist.com. Trevor Smith is writing this sometime yesterday. The book, Bitcoin and Black America, presents an in-depth analysis of the role cryptocurrency can play in bringing financial autonomy to African Americans. Isaiah Jackson notes that Blacks have traditionally been vastly underserved by the banking industry, yet have been slow to take up blockchain assets as an alternative. Guys, there are so many people in the whole world and many of them are not black that have been hosed, hosed by the legacy financial system. Is it because of their color? No, it's because they're dirt, dirt freaking poor. And it's not like the, the, it's not like the banks are going, I don't like you because you're poor. You don't get on the radar because they don't know you exist because of poor or not even, you don't even have to be, there's not a, I mean, there, the banks that I deal with, I don't, I mean, I could be making 10 times less and they would still give me a bank account. To tell you the truth, it's not because I'm white. It's because rural towns, they need all the banking they can get. If you really need a bank, get out of Chicago Go to some small ass ass town that has a federal credit union. And if you're a teacher, go bank at that son of a bitch, or even just go to a small savings and loan, open up an account, do all your banking online. If you walk into a Wells Fargo and you ain't got a pot to piss in nor a window to throw it out of, they probably don't give a shit about you. And it doesn't matter what color you are is because you don't have any freaking money. There are people that want the money that you do have. They're not in the middle of Chicago on fourth Avenue. If such a thing exists in Chicago, Somehow or another, get a friend or take the subway to as far on the outskirts, walk, take a bus. I don't know. Get to a town of 20,000. Go to that bank. Open a bank account there. Will it work 100%? No, I, I probably not. But I'm just, I'm getting sick of people who say they're not racist being racist. 
Stop it. This doesn't do anybody any good. And now you're really pricking the bear of this whole thing because you're because we're equating racism to financial autonomy. Well, we've got ourselves one hell of an explosive potential package. That's, uh, so I'm sorry for the rant, but this is pissing me off more and more and more. There's so many people. I fight against racism, and then the next 10 sentences out of their ass talks about color. Doesn't help. Change, according to Jackson, will require a thorough understanding of African Americans that they no longer need the current banking system to manage their wealth. Nobody does. White, black, brown, black, it doesn't matter. Also, many blacks believe that BTC is a scam or that it no longer exists. This is not true. This terrible article. Jackson asserts that these misunderstandings must be corrected. It's not the article. It's the, the author of this book. That is bullshit that many blacks believe that BTC is a scam or that it no longer exists. Prove it. And no, I'm not buying the book to, to read it for myself because unless that dude has a whole table full of data telling me exactly why black people think that BTC doesn't exist. Oh, oh, okay. Bitcoin. Bye, bye, bye. Thank you. I'm going to get to calm down a little bit here. Much has been said about the potential for blockchain technology to benefit underdeveloped regions. What may be surprising is that it is poised to have an equally transformative impact on much of the developed world. Simply put, a close parallel can be drawn between the limited banking access available in poor countries and the lack of banks in American minority neighborhoods. Banks, banks, along with institutions such as grocery stores and medical providers, tend to avoid these areas. The result can create serious problems for, for residents and dramatically diminish upward mobility. Mobile to what? Seriously, mobile to what? What the hell do we continuously are we reaching for? How many granite countertops are enough? I'm not saying you should live in a fucking shanty. But at one point or another, this upward mobility, you've far surpassed whatever the hell it is you actually need to be happy. And now what you're doing is guarding against loss. I remember my dad used to talk about this shit a lot. Be careful of your iron, son, because they can be just as much chains as it is yet something else to polish. In both cases, that's spending a lot of time trying to keep this iron either not chaining your ass down to where you are, but also spending all your time polishing it up so it looks nice. Is that wealth? Is that wealth? Ask yourself that question. I'm not saying that it's good to be poor. It is not good to go hungry. It is not good to be unhealthy because you can't get medical coverage and all that shit. But how many Teslas can you drive? How many jet skis can you ski behind? How much square footage do you really need before you go, God damn it, this is a really hard house to clean because it's so big. I've got a mansion with 45 rooms. Jeez. Ugh. And you got you to gotta heat and cool all that? Holy crap, man. That sounds like a lot. To me, it sounds like a lot more work than it is a pleasant way to spend your time. If you see what... I'm not saying that heating and cooling is going to, we're going to crush the atmosphere and, and destroy the, you know, global warming. That's not where I'm going. I'm thinking of just yet one more thing to take care of, 
yet one more thing to heat, yet one more thing to cool, yet one more thing to turn off in the winter because you don't want to spend the money. It's just, it's the one more thing. It's the one more thing that I wonder about all the time when people tell me about how much shit they got because they're so freaking rich. It's okay to be rich. I'm just saying, watch out for the chains. The chains that wealth can bring can be much more radically transformative in a bad way than the wealth itself. So ending this off, the opportunity is so substantial. African-Americans and other racial minorities in the United States should be rapidly embracing cryptocurrency. Unfortunately, adoption has been slow. As Jackson points out, misinformation has been a problem in their communities. Also, lack of banking access has made purchasing and investing in crypto a challenge. There is no question, however, that the tide is turning as crypto adoption is picking up among all segments of American society. A need clearly exists for better financial freedom, and increasingly non-whites are learning what this new asset class has to offer. Simply put, cryptocurrency will not leave the underserved behind. Okay, so that's been a, a rallying call for Bitcoin for the entire last decade, and somehow or another it's being recast in what I can only, what I actually see as a racist light. It may not seem that way to you, and I get that. If you don't understand why I'm ranting about it, that's okay. It totally is. It's totally fine. But I just, I, I don't see the need to talk about color 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, and then sit back and expect there not to have a problem not to have been caused. If you're going to talk about race all the time, you're going to have racial problems. Just it. And that's going to do it for the morning roundup. Daily train wreck is not going to be all that evident, but it ties back to the whole DeFi thing. Eric Wall is right, also known as at ERCWL, who's a, an Ethereum pundit, says the following about this whole DeFi flash thing, or the flash loan issue. He says, and this is on the 20th of February, Ethereum miners should identify all flash loan contracts, scan the mempool for flash loan transactions, and replace attacker addresses with their own if there are profits worthwhile. Flash loan attackers will soon have to cut deals with miners or become miners. No, God, oh, God, just pulling, pulling for people watching your shit. Okay, look. I get that the flash loan tax and all that kind of stuff, it's it's a scam. Yeah, it's definitely a scam. But you set up a system that is very easily scammed, i.e. Ethereum, DeFi, all the shit that lays on top of Ethereum, all the ICOs, they're all scams. You made it easy to not only instigate a scam, but to have scams pop out like eggs on the back of a spider on top of each one of these things. It's, it's, it's a fractal scam. 
Ethereum is a fractal scam. It is a scam that begat scams and each one of those scams have their own little scams. And as it goes on and on, the only layering we're going to see on Ethereum is scams, just like this. And now we got Eric Wall asking for miners to scan the blockchain to become their own little police force. And I'm sorry, but the answer is absolutely not. And I mean, I, I guess I really shouldn't give a shit. I don't deal in Ethereum. I haven't, I, I stopped looking into Ethereum years ago. Once I figured it all out, and I'm not talking about the mechanics of Ethereum, when I figured out how stuffed up with garbage gears, spinning, doing nothing, there was, I realized that that machine had way too much, way too many moving parts, way too many moving parts, just like all the rest of this crap. There's so many moving parts because they're all part of a narrative for marketing, not for utility. So you can tell a very, a machine that's built for utility because it's rock solid and simple as hell to fix, right? The Jeep, a Jeep CJ7. You know what was nice about the old Jeep? Well, not even the CJ7, the Willys Jeep. What was great about the Willys Jeep is that you could pretty much use anything you could scavenge from the battlefield. Tanks, uh, like other types of cars. It would take all kinds of axles. You could, I mean, that was it was built for utility. And it was built to be damaged and be able to pick up anything that it could pick up and fit it onto it and it would work again. And that's what you want. You want something that can be completely blown apart and you still can't stop it. You blow something like Ethereum apart and putting it back together, man, good luck, dude. So I, be, be aware that now because of the flash loan thing, any bag holders of Ethereum are now at risk for having everything about everything scanned. And yeah, oh, well, David, it's just about the DeFi shit. Yeah, for right now for right now. And then, I mean, it's, it's, I swear to God, it's like mushroom mycelium. Once it gets started going, that mycelium will run and will run and run and run. And it will only stop until every square or actually every cubic centimeter of space that it can occupy is occupied. Then and only then will it fruit. All right, terrible joke corner here with dad says jokes. I was walking past a farm and a sign said duck eggs. I thought that's an unnecessary comma. And then it hit me. Yes. Yes. In all of its glory. Again, a joke better read than uh, heard because it's duck, comma, eggs. Get it? That's an unnecessary comma, and then it hit me. Yeah, it's fun with grammar. What are you going to do? Okay, so we've gotten through this Monday show. Now, again, clearly you're getting this show today, Monday, February the 24th. You're not getting it at 4 a.m., obviously. 
You're getting it whenever the hell it is. It gets uploaded. Right now it's 11.05 a.m. Central Standard Time. Um, I am going to try to do a second show today so that it can be uploaded at 4 o'clock in the morning tomorrow. We shall see. I like having this stuff done for uploads in the morning for people who, you know, want to listen to me ramble in a commute. Anyway, um, so we are running way long. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But there was so much stuff to talk about today. Uh, I will, however, hopefully in the morning, see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.